from game-winning shots to walk off home runs. This ball is crushed. To last-second field goals. He's got you covered. It's the Guarantee Sports Corner. It is that time again. It is the Guarantee Sports Corner live from St. George, Utah. I know, I know. It's been a while since I've done my last podcast. Don't worry, though. I don't have the Rona. I've never had the Rona. I'm absolutely fine, so there's nothing to be worrying about on your end. The sports world was kind of dead up until this week, and we've already seen Brady take his talents to Tampa Bay, and now just, uh, I believe it was it yesterday or the day before, uh, Gronkowski has joined him with a trade from the Patriots to the Buccaneers in what seems to be an all-in year for Brady. Uh, with me today, you all have heard him before. He's been on the show before. Prediction Pauly is in the house, and we've had him on the show last year a couple of times. He is back, and he is going to give his top 10 prediction for the NFL draft later on in the show. And basically, he's going to tell us who's going to go where and why it's going to be the best fit of the first round of the NFL Draft, which is later tonight at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. I believe that's 8 p.m. Eastern Time. And also, maybe some other predictions that may take place this weekend in the NFL Draft. Prediction Paulie's got us covered, so let's get this show underway. First things first, Paul. Uh, with Tampa Bay getting Brady, and now they got Gronkowski already joining an offense that was pretty electrifying last year with Jameis Winston at quarterback. You know, you got weapons like Chris Godwin and Mike Evans that had monster years last year. The only thing I'm really concerned about is the offensive line for Tampa Bay and their entire defense. Now, Headline when you first saw Gronk joining Tom Brady, what were the first initial thoughts that went through your head? The dynamic duo's back after retirement. I mean, he vetoed the trade of the Lions back in the day. Didn't want to play with Belichick. Didn't want to play for Patricia. But now he's back with this guy in Tampa Bay. Couldn't be happier, I'm sure. And those two are going to continue to be one of the most lethal combos in the NFL. Do you think after a year away from each other, do you think it's just all going to come back together like old times? Or is it going to take you know, a couple Saturday morning practices to get used to things again? It's going to take some time. They're going to have to adjust to Bruce Arians' system. It's a little different than Belichick's, of course. The nuances, the little things that have to happen for them to get right back on the same page again. But I see them picking up where they left off, you know, come the third week of the preseason. So the Bucks ranked 15th last year in yards given up per game, which on paper, 15th, middle of the pack, not detrimental uh, all the way, but the Patriots were first with 275.9 yards per game and the Bucks giving up 343. So, you know, that 45, 50 yard difference is not huge on paper, but it is 14 spots in between those two. So that is a big decline when it comes to production for the defense. And I think ultimately that might hurt Brady a little bit because we're so used to seeing Patriots defenses get those three and outs, get those interceptions, get those fumbles right off the bat. And with Tampa Bay, we just didn't see a lot. I mean, we saw some periodically throughout the season, more towards the end of the season than towards the beginning. But the defense, I think, is going to be the biggest factor for Tom Brady's success. Um, the Bucks were also the fourth 
worst in giving up points per game. They've given up 30 points per game, where the Patriots gave up 14. Mm -hmm. That's a massive difference. I don't think Brady's defenses have ever even averaged over 25, let alone 30. So, I mean, there are some variables that you have to take into consideration. Uh, Will Brady still be as successful? If he's not successful, it's going to be because of these things. So, now I know the two quarterbacks – I'm talking about Winston Brady. They have completely different styles. But last year, Winston got sacked 47 times, which was second most in the league, where Brady only got sacked 27 times, which was 23rd in the league. And because they do play different styles, you know, we're, we're still going to see Brady's two-step drop passes. You know, we're still going to see super quick passes down in the flats, you know, a bunch of slants and stuff. I mean, that's just that's what Brady does, allowing him not to get sacked as much. So those numbers will decline. But, you know, down in the fourth quarter, you need a drive. That offensive line may not come through you every time. Is that a key part of Tom Brady's success is being able to have that time back there? It is. And Bruce Arians is, is big on the five-step drop, the deep passes to guys like Godwin and Evans. It's a different, it's a totally different offense from Belichick that relies more on crossing routes and the flat routes. Stuff schemes. Like, schemes. Just totally different schemes in total. So, It'll be a it'll be a di- totally different outlook for him. He's gonna he's gonna love to throw the ball downfield. He's gonna he's he did a lot of that with Randy Moss when he had the weapons, the big six five receiver. Now he's got that Mike Evans, got it, and OJ Howard. Let's not forget. I think it was two years ago with Winston. He had a very very good year. I think he had over a thousand yards, and then last year kind of took a step back a little bit. Uh, maybe it's because of Winston's decision making. Who knows? Well, actually, the Bucks are looking to deal OJ today. Really? On draft day, there's been a lot of teams inquiring about him. But Brady loves a two tight end. I know. Set. He but loves they're, it. They're trying to get rid of him. I've heard uh, a couple teams are involved: the Packers, the Redskins, the Lions. And what couple, to get a running back out of that deal? An offensive lineman out of that maybe deal? A pick. We'll see. I mean, maybe a pick. Player for player, maybe. Right. So besides the 49ers, who we saw two years ago without Jimmy G, the team was a total wreck. And then this year, how their defense just transformed into this powerhouse in one year. Because yeah. if you look at 2018's uh, defensive stats, the Niners aren't even in the top half. Now, all of a sudden, they're top three in nearly every single statistical season or stat. So, you know, it, it's it's kind of a far expectation to see the Bucks defense do what the Niners did because the Bucks don't have the names on defense like the Niners did. Sure. And so, I mean, everyone's like, where did this Niners defense come from? You know, and I don't think a lot of us are expecting the Buccaneers defense to go from that to the Niners last season. But if the defense, let's say the defense gives up, you know, two, three touchdowns a game. Let's just say 21 points, a field goal, 24. Can Brady overcome that? Or does he need an elite defense to, to stay in games? I think at times in his career he didn't have an elite defense. I know the Patriots more times than not had an adequate to very good defense. Last year they were elite, you know, the beginning of the season with their point differential being the top in the league, turnovers tops in the league. In fantasy football their defense was scoring more than certain players were. Yeah. So, but he's had a less than adequate defense before in his career and he's been able to overcome that. I could see him with all the weapons he has surrounding him that I could see him being able to overcome not having a great defense. The one weapon, however, he does not have is a running back. I mean, they got Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber. I mean, not exactly household names. And I'm not sure what Buccaneers do, what pick they have in the first round. I'm 
I mean, we'll get that here in just a second. But, I mean, I haven't been hearing a lot of top running backs in the draft. What, what have you heard running back-wise? I mean, I know it's more a quarterback and a receiver draft this year. But what about the running backs? Are there any that surprise you? Because we know the Patriots like drafting running backs towards the end of the first round. We've seen it plenty of times. Sony Michelle. I even think Lawrence Maroney was kind of a late first-round pick as well. I mean, Belichick likes to go for those running backs in the first round. I mean, could we see the Buccaneers kind of stealing that idea from the Patriots into getting a young running back who's electrifying for Brady? I mean, I'm not entirely sure. But also... Um, there's talks of Percy Harvin coming out of retirement. He's been in the league for three years, and now that Gronk went to the Buccaneers, he's like, hey, I think I might be interested now. Could that even add another factor to you know, all of Brady's weapons? Is Percy Harvin, is he still a factor? Or do you think he's washed? He could be washed at this point. Injuries were riddled his entire career. He was never really what he ever was drafted to be. He was always that speedster. He's always remembered for that kickoff return touchdown in the Super Bowl against the Broncos. But other than that, he just had kind of a sporadic career. Never really was consistent. I don't see him being a factor if he returns. I think it's too much time off. Uh, fair point. So the last time we saw a team, specifically an offense, go all out in their skill talent were the Eagles back in 2010, I believe, when they had Michael Vick. Did they have LaShawn McCoy then? Yeah, Deshaun and, Jackson. Know, yeah, Deshaun Jackson. I mean, they were just getting stars left and right, and they just completely folded. Didn't work for them. I think they finished 8-8 eight and eight that year. Mm-hmm. Complete disappointment. Vince Young nicknamed them the, the Dream Team. Yeah, the I Dream Team. They had team. Ronnie Brown, uh, Jeremy Macklin. They were loaded at the skill positions, but that defense wasn't there for them. Probably the O-line wasn't the greatest, too. Sure. So I, I personally still think the Saints will win that division. I still think that they, they're they the top dogs. They've been the top dogs for most of this last decade. You know, you would think they've won the most division titles. They've won a Super Bowl in this decade. I mean, that division is theirs. But now you got Tom Brady rolling into town. Does Breeze, should he feel any kind of intimidation at all? You know, now that there's another legendary Hall of Fame quarterback in his division, he's never really had to deal with that his entire career. I mean, he's had Cam Newton, Matt Ryan, and then the Buccaneers, whoever they've had at quarterback since Breeze. But, but I mean, this, I still think the Saints, they have the weapons. As long as you have Michael Thomas, I don't think anybody is going to stop him. Sure. I really don't. Um, Alvin Kamara, always a beast out of the backfield. Multi-threat uh, duo. You know, catch pass. he catches like 60 passes out of the backfield a year. I still think that Saints defense will do enough to get past the Buccaneers. I still think they'll win the division. I don't want to completely rule out the Buccaneers of a playoff contention spot. But obviously, it's going to have to be a wild card. I don't think that they can win 12, 13 games to keep up. I don't think that's realistic enough until we see what happens today and this weekend to see what kind of depth that they add, and whether it's towards their offensive line or their defense, which are probably their two most main concerns right now. So the Falcons will be competitive as always. I mean, everyone knows about their, de- or their offense. You know, now they have Todd Gurley with Julio Jones, Matt Ryan. I mean, those... Calvin Ridley. Yeah, they got Cal- a stacked offense. They got a good offense. The offensive line's kind of iffy here and there. And the defense has got good defensive linemen. But other than that, the defense is kind of eh. So there will be a lot of high-scoring games, I think, within the division this year. Um, despite the Panthers. I think the Panthers will finish last. I mean, it's they, got, they got McCaffrey, but they don't have a quarterback. I mean, they got... Teddy Bridge, They got Teddy, but I mean, that's not... It's, I mean, it, it, for what he did last year, 5-0, and great quarterback to interception ratio. 
I mean, we've seen it so many times where quarterbacks have short-lived success with teams, get a big contract, go to another team, and don't do well. I mean, we've seen it with Nick Foles. I mean, he's not even on the Jaguars anymore. He's on the Bears, isn't he? Yeah. So, I mean, the, you just never know in the NFL. So, I think he's a placeholder. You think he's a placeholder? They might be looking for their next guy in this draft. The Panthers, next, this draft. This draft, You yeah. think this draft? Wow. So, they've got Will Greer. They've got some guys, but they just... Nobody's an impact player on that roster right now. Except for McCaffrey. McCaffrey's the only thing going for the Panthers right now. So let's switch over to this. The uh, Cincinnati Bengals hold the number one pick in the draft, and all eyes are on Joe Burrow to go number one. Based on what is available this year, should the Bengals go with Burrow as their guy for the future, or do you think it could be somebody else or should be somebody else? I think Burrow's the guy. Burrow's Um, the guy. Burrow's the best quarterback prospect in my mind since Andrew Luck. Um, just put up the most prolific season in college football history, 60 touchdowns in the SEC against those defenses week in, week out. I just think that his that his skill set is something that we haven't seen in a while. He's mobile. He can throw deep, short. He's got accuracy. He's got precision with his passes. He had a great wide receiving core last year, of course, but I just think that he's uh, above uh, above all – the best quarterback in this draft. Fair enough. The Bengals have selected five quarterbacks in the first round in their franchise history, and none of them have had a winning record with Cincinnati. Could that be a curse for Burrow, or do you think he'll finally be the one the Bengals have been looking for? I think he's going to be the one because he's – Carson Palmer, there's a US, – the USC quarterbacks, they just never seem to pan out. Mark Sanchez, Carson Palmer – Matt Liner. There's been a long Barkley. list of guys. Barkley. They just never seem to pan out. I think that Burrow playing against that SEC competition his entire career, even last year where he wasn't that great. You know, he was above average but not great. And this year he really took off. And um, he's headed. He's headed into the apex of his career in my mind. They're going to get him when he's you know young, um, able to mold. So I think that this is a great project for the Bengals to take on even though they haven't had success with prior first-round first, first picks. Right, so in the five are Carson Palmer in 2003, Akili Smith in yeah. 1999, David Klinger in 92. <laughs> He's the all-time leader in passing touchdowns. No, no. He has the most touchdowns in a, in a game. He had 11 touchdowns for Houston in 91. Uh, Jack Thompson, 1979. Greg Cook in 1969. Now, Palmer is the most successful out of all of them, longest career, most wins, most playoff appearances, etc. But could Burrow eventually surpass Palmer as one of the franchise's best quarterbacks of all time? Or is that even too early of a thought to even bring up? I think it's early. I think the same thing with Palmer. He had a great trajectory going. And then in that Steelers wildcard game when he had that tragic injury where it was just devastating to the entire franchise, to Palmer where he was mulling retirement, ultimately did retire. I think that Burrow's going to be the guy. Everything's going to be molded around him. The system, the players, I think he's going to have a say in draft picks going forward. He's going to be kind of the face of the franchise going forward. So I think Burrow's a worthy project to take on for sure. So if you look at the Bengals' recent drafts, there has not been a lot of pro bowlers. You have to go all the way back to 2013 to when the last time they drafted a pro bowler, Tyler Eifert. That was the last time they drafted a Pro Bowler. Now, is that a little bit worrisome? Do you think about that kind of stuff when you're getting drafted to a team like the Bengals? Do you see, oh, well, they're not going to draft very well? It's kind of like how the Colts were 
when they had luck first off the bat. You know, it was just him and then a bunch of nobodies. Could we see the similar? Can we can we see something similar to the Bengals? Because the Colts team without Peyton Manning was awful. We all saw how bad they were. The Bengals won what one game last year? I mean, it'd be very hard to do worse. The Browns are the only team to successfully do that. But realistically wise for Joe Burrow in that division, you got Lamar, Big Ben's coming back, um, the Browns, you never know what they're going to do. What is in a reasonable winning, like how many wins do you think is reasonable for the Bengals in year one if they go with Joe Burrow? Well, in, in Vegas right now, they're over-under five and a half. Okay. So, so they're, you know, the smart money's on the under right now, I think, because it's going to be a tough year for them. Even though they got Tyler Boyd, they got A.J. Green, They've got um, Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon. It, the offense has got pieces, but they're just not ready to compete. Their mm-hmm. offensive line is kind of in shambles. Their defense isn't great. Uh, lost a lot of impact players over the years. So I could see them winning about three, four games this year, just being a total rebuild and then investing in draft capital, trading away players with expiring contracts, trying to trying to just build for the future. I think this is another tough year headed for the Bengals, even with Joe Burrow. Even with Joe Burrow. So you were mentioning that – Probably he had the greatest single season in college football history. He was third in passing yards all time and first for touchdowns, 60 touchdowns in that conference. Now, I know he was blessed with a very talented roster around him and a very good head coach. Now you go in the NFL. Zach Taylor, the second year. Um, where was he before Cincinnati? I don't even remember. He was a quarterback's coach somewhere. Either way, you, you, you match up Zach Taylor to – Who's the coach for LSU? Ed Ogeron. Ed, yes. You compare those two together, it's not even close on paper. But you look at LSU's talent, what they had around him. Burrow was able to thrive because you mentioned they had a really good receiving core. Jefferson, I believe. Jefferson, Thad, Moss. He, and he just went off in the national championship, like three or four touchdowns in the first half. Yeah. So, I mean, he had – Burrow had the talent around him. Now, are we – would it be, I guess – okay to criticize Joe Burrow for not being as successful in the NFL right away. And so what I guess what I'm trying to say is, is it an excuse because the Bengals aren't as talented as everyone else? Are we going to treat him like how we treated Peyton Manning in his first year? You know, he was Heisman finalist, number one overall, won three games in his first year. And then obviously we knew what happened the rest of the way, but could we see some similarities with that? I mean, we know Joe Burrow's really good with the media. And I know if you're looking for a franchise quarterback, that's what you want. You want a mature, you want a poised quarterback at the podium. You know, you don't want a Cam Newton or I can't even think of anyone else who's who's a Westbrook if you even want to throw that into there. You don't want a diva. You want someone up there who is mature. And from everything I've seen from Joe Burrow, he has it. He's ready to take on the big lights. And and. I think it helps him that he's going to Cincinnati, who's not a massive market, and it's his hometown. He doesn't have to, or not hometown, but home state. Doesn't have to leave, doesn't have to go very far. I think the fans will like Burrow. I think they will. Just because, you know, he's an Ohio kid. He's very, uh, he's a smart kid. Um, and I think he's, he, he knows what challenges are ahead of him. I think he's fully aware of what the Bengals have, what they have to offer. And, and their opponents that they have this year. So, you know, I, I personally would pick Burrow just because of all those off-the-field characteristics. He's not a distraction. He's not a troublemaker, you know. And, and he comes from a family of, of winners, of championships. 
after he won the national championship, I believe he was the third one in his family to win some kind of a national championship. I believe his dad and his grandfather or whatever won when they were playing. But Burrow comes from somewhat of a football background. So I think that will help him as well. But so basically what we're saying is we're not going to be surprised if we see Burrow struggle. He's going to take his lumps in year one for sure. So, but, you know, if, if all the cards are played right, you know, maybe they get like a top 10 pick again next year, number seven or eight. I don't think that would be a complete loss. Definitely going into the right direction. But what do the Bengals do with Andy Dalton now? Do they do they try and trade bait him? Do they keep him to mentor him? I mean, because Andy Dalton was supposed to be the guy. And now all of a sudden he's not. And if you look at his numbers, they're not terrible, but they're not what you want for a franchise quarterback. Now, how long do you think it would take for the Bengals, you know, say it doesn't work two, three years out, and now they go look for another one? I mean, can you see that happening? I mean, because we haven't even seen it with Baker. I mean, because Baker has been getting all this criticism about not being able to perform. And I think, honestly, for Baker Mayfield, this is his hot year. I mean, if he doesn't perform this year, I think Cleveland's going to ship him out. I mean, what, yeah. what, what do you think about Baker, this whole Baker-Mayfield situation? Quarterbacks have, it seems like, a, a season. And then maybe the beginning of the next season. I'd say maybe 20 games to prove themselves in, now, in today's world. Today's world, you know, immediate satisfaction. We need to see results right away. And Baker put on the first year. He was really good, had a great completion percentage, I think 33 touchdowns. He was looked like a, you know the sensation, worthy of the number one pick, but took a step back last year. And it's part of the growing pains of being a starting quarterback in the NFL. I'm sure you know uh, Freddie Kitchens wasn't the best head coach. There's a lot of variables in play with quarterbacks. You know, there's got to be that match between you know the offensive line the coach the wide receivers it's it's a whole team effort it's all like a well-oiled machine when one part isn't performing the rest of the team won't perform so i think that he took a step back because of that but you look in washington you look at dwayne haskins looked terrible the whole first season he only had six games people are already ready to give up on him and draft Tua. that's the world we live in people want something that's going to perform right away yeah when they when when you pick someone so high you think this guy is ready to go He's out of the box, ready to be the starting quarterback, the face of the franchise. And when that doesn't happen, you have – it should – it's it's rational for, for the fans to be upset. But when the ownership, the GM, the front office are upset over six, seven games, I think it's a little bit of an overreaction. you got to give guys time, and I think Burrow's going to be given the length of his rookie contract to figure this out because he is the number one overall pick and has so much promise he showed last year with the 60 touchdowns, the most prolific season – I think they're going to give him as much time as they can. Um, I had a thought. What was it? I, I just had it and I lost. Oh, besides players in the top ten, are there any names that have may have caught you and and where you possibly might think they might end up? You know, even if it's people, players from West Virginia or anyone in the SEC that's not going top ten, is there any prediction in your mind of where someone outside of the top ten may go? Is there anyone that, like, comes to your mind immediately – there's not a top 10 player. Like you, we were talking about Jordan Love on the way here. You know, Jordan Love, kind of on the smaller side, had a better junior year than a senior year, but ended up with a bowl win. So, I mean, at the combine, he did pretty good. You know, he's not considered the top three quarterbacks in the league. But as far as Jordan Love goes, I mean, what, what did you see the other day? You were telling me on the way over here. What did you see in the headlines as far as draft day goes for Jordan Love? He can go anywhere from... 
uh, the top 15 to the third round. That's what's so scary about him. He kind of reminds me of Geno Smith. There was a time whenever Geno was expected to go, you know, anywhere from pick four to the third round. There was just, it just depended on the team and the fit. And there's so many teams that are looking for, you think about the Panthers. They've got Teddy Bridgewater, a placeholder. He's not a franchise quarterback. You think about the Bucks post Brady. You know, you're thinking he gets two years maybe. And who's going to be the guy after that? I mean, Jordan Love can fit into a number of systems. He had prolific stats um, in the Mountain West. He was a great quarterback. Never won the title, but still always had it. was competitive. It was competitive. Top three team every year they were in the Mountain West. So um, I look for him to be a good NFL quarterback. I don't. I don't see him being a guy that's a career backup or someone that just gets that pension. I think he's going to play on the field. Gotcha. So now the time is here. We got prediction Paul's top 10 in the 2020 NFL draft, which is later tonight. Paul, hit it with us. All right. Number one, round one, pick one. We're going to go Joe Burrow, quarterback Joe Burrow. LSU. Uh, it's just. There's, it's a no-brainer. It's pick. a no-brainer. There's no trade that's going to happen. The Bengals would need a king's ransom, something that you shouldn't even offer to get this pick from them because they want their guy and they're going to get their guy at number one overall. Okay, number two, number two, the Skins. The Skins are going to take the best player in the draft, and that's Chase Young. He had 16 and a half sacks last year in the Big Ten. That's always lauded for its offensive line play. Um, some say he's better than both the Bosa brothers coming out. More athletic, bigger, faster. So I think this is a guy that's going to be a, you know, you plug him in, he's 10 sacks the first season. I think he's just going to be that kind of impact. Okay. Number three, the Lions. The Lions, I'm going to go Jeff Okuda. Jeff Okuda. Looks to be another guy that you can just plug right in as your cornerback, leave him out there on an island. I think he had 11 catches. Um uh, he allowed like 13 or something, 11 to 13 catches last year on his side of the field. He was just left alone for the most part because no one was throwing at him. He was just so active with his hands. Great ball-hawking player. He's got great hands. So I could just see Jeff Okuda being a guy that you can lean on for years. The next Darius Slay maybe? Sure. All right. Or Dre Bly that they had years ago. Yeah. Just a guy that's a stalwart in the defense. It's someone that you can depend on week in, week out. Number four, the Giants. The Giants are interesting because – Isaiah Simmons is there, and a lot of people consider him to be somewhat of a Derwin James mold where he can play that hybrid linebacker safety. Mm -hmm. He's got the speed to play both. He's got the size to play both. Um, and I just don't think he makes it past four. I think the Giants take the most athletic player in the draft. I think they take Isaiah Simmons here at number four. Nice. Number five, the Miami Dolphins. If they stay pat here, there's a lot of talk about them moving up, but if they stay pat and they just wait for their guy, I think – Tua Tagovailoa falls to him here. Tua. Uh, you know, checkered injury pass, ankles, hips, all kinds of stuff throughout his college career. But at the end of the day, he was a second in Heisman voting behind Kyler Murray uh, two years ago. He had his best season in the SEC. Um, very accurate. Very accurate. Won a national championship, was brought in in relief of Jalen Hurts to beat Clemson. And he's just a great player. And I think even at six foot, He's mobile. He can get out of the pocket. He can create for himself. I think he's going to be a great NFL quarterback. All right. Number six, the Los Angeles Chargers. I think two quarterbacks go in a row here. I think Herbert is the guy, Justin Herbert out of Oregon. I think he's going to be – he's got the prototypical size and strength, 6'5", 225. Good size. Um, 
I don't know. I watched a lot of Oregon football, to be honest with you, and he did choke in a lot of big games. He wasn't really the best closer, but that's not all on him. Um, and he had a great supporting cast at Oregon. They they won the Rose Bowl this year, so he's, he's definitely won some big games. Mm-hmm. And I think that he's going to be a pretty good quarterback in the NFL. Just need some moldy. And the Chargers have the weapons. You sure. Know, the Chargers have people all over the map whether it's offense or defense, I don't think the Chargers are in terrible shape. Let's no. not forget they won 12 games two years ago. Yeah. And then this year, who knows what ha- – I don't know what happened. If it was Rivers, if it was someone else, I don't know. But the Chargers have a lot of playmakers. Now, number seven, the Carolina Panthers. Panthers is tough here because I think they need to go for a wide receiver because I think that Teddy Bridgewater's got D.J. Moore, but D.J. Moore has been a one up, up, up and down. And McCaffrey's their guy, but if they had that third weapon for Teddy Bridgewater, much like the Saints had, you know, they had some guys for him. You know, I think it's going to take him a while to take over to the Panthers and make them a winner. And I think it could ease the process if they brought in a top wide receiver. And I think this is where you get Jerry Judy. Jerry, Jerry Judy is one of the best receivers in the country. Over Ceedee Lamb? Yeah, I think wow. so. Wow. Jerry Judy's the best route runner in the, in in college football. Um, played in the toughest conference, of course. Made a lot of contested catches. Played in big games, Final Fours, conference championship games. He's been there. He's got the pedigree. I think Jerry Judy's the pick here for the Panthers. Need that wide out. Number eight, the Arizona Cardinals. I think the Cardinals go Jedrick Willis out of Alabama, the offensive tackle. I think that you got Kyler Murray, you got DeAndre Hopkins, you've got your guys now. You got your duo, you got your being, running back, but you need to protect Kyler Murray, being his size. That was the number one concern of him going into the league is that his size, he wouldn't hold up in the NFL. I think you get someone um, in Jedrick Willis that allowed only six pressures to get home in his entire career. That's ridiculous. So I think he's the guy. There. Number nine, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, the Jags. I think the Jags go they, – they have Minshew. They have um, – Fournette. Chark, they've got a pretty good. They've got some weapons. They might be shopping for Nat on draft day, though, looking for trades um, because he's been a malcontent trying to get out. But I think they go defense here, and I think they go with. Um, I had it here. Where was it? C.J. Henderson, a cornerback, out of um, Florida. I think he's their guy because they just lost Jalen Ramsey. They they're trying to build that defense that brought them all the way to the AFC Championship mm-hmm. game that was so good, and I think that. Their offense is adequate. I think they just need to build on defense. Justin Jefferson. Or um, C.J. Henderson. And number 10, the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns. They've been looking at trading. The the latest rumors are they're looking at trading for Trent Williams. If that falls through, I think they go Andrew Thomas, the offensive tackle out of Georgia. They need someone to protect Baker. They've got all the weapons. They've got Landry. They've got Beckham. They've got um, um, Chubb. Chubb. They've got plenty of players, so they just need to protect their number one asset, and I think that guy is Andrew Thomas. Some regard, some think that he's regarded as the best tackle in the draft. Best tackle in the draft. And there is it, folks, the top ten for Prediction Paul's 2020 NFL Draft, which is going to happen here in about four hours, so it is coming a lot quicker. Now, now we're looking forward to the draft. You know, We like to watch the draft every year, but this year is going to be different. It's going to be weird. We're not going to see the players going up on stage, shaking Goodell's hand. I'd be even surprised if we, if the players were on some kind of video recording. I mean, I don't know how this is going to work out, but it's going to be a strange sight for sure. 
I mean, it was going to be in Las Vegas this year. Who knows? Maybe we would have gone down there and try and see if we can get in. Um, but, I mean, just this whole COVID-19 crap, you know, it, it's just completely wiped out everything that we have loved. I mean, since this whole thing has even started, we missed out on March Madness, who, you know, probably gets more viewers for a month than any other sport does. You know, we, we missed the start of baseball. Right now would be the NBA playoffs. I mean, there's just so much that could be going on right now. Now it's not. And I think we should all be faithful or just glad that the NFL draft is still happening. They're still finding ways to bring it to us. And, and as a fan, we got to love it because if they were to cancel the NFL draft, I mean, I don't think you could do that. No. I mean, that's, that's literally the next generation of players for your league. I mean, so I'm just glad that they were able to work something out. Still a bummer. It's not going to be in Vegas, you know, in our backyard. And, and the Raiders, this is their first, you know, inaugural year in Las Vegas. You see the lights turned on the other day? Yeah. They finally turned on the lights at the stadium, and it was it was gorgeous. It's a massive, massive stadium. Now, for the Raiders, you know, they've been having some quarterback questions, whether they should keep Derek Carr or if they should move on from him. Why aren't the Raiders' primary target a quarterback you know everyone's saying they need to find someone to fit in with John Gruden you know someone to help elevate that offense even more I mean Derek Carr's been okay he hasn't been fantastic and rumors were going to say Brady was going to go to the Raiders and get rid of Carr but now that Brady's on Tampa Bay what are the Raiders moves for quarterback do they get one in this draft I mean maybe Jordan Love falls to them who knows I mean that would be a steal but I think if you're the Raiders and you want to make an impact on your first pick in a new uh, in a in a new state in a new city, you know most of them have them taking C.D. Lamb, you know, at number twelve. But why not a quarterback? Why not, you know, just kind of throw it out there, you know, just say screw it. I mean, because you're gonna because Derek Carr's not the answer, and he's not going to be there for the next three or four years. There's going to be somebody else there. I, I would just be kind of surprised if the Raiders didn't take a quarterback as part of that aspect of being in a new city and just throwing all your chips out there. Letting your fans know that, hey, we're here for you. We want to build. We want to give you guys the player that will be the best for our future. And Derek Carr is not that. And I don't have anything against Derek Carr. I don't think he's a terrible quarterback. I just don't think he takes enough shots. He's a very conservative quarterback. He, he I mean, he'll throw some bonehead decisions sometimes, you know. But for the Raiders, I, I do think a quarterback is still on their radar coming draft night. And it might not be tonight. It might be tomorrow. It might be Saturday. Who knows? Uh, and one more thing prediction Paul has up his sleeve. He, likes, he, he brought up something to me about the depth of the wide receiver position this year in the draft, which is why we've been hearing about rumors about the Browns trading away Odell Beckham. What do you think of that? I think that Odell's a guy that the production on the field speaks for itself. He's a guy that can create all, all kinds of ways with his speed, with his agility. He's got moves. I mean, he's just a guy that gets open all the time. But is he worth it for his antics? Is he worth it, worth it for his sideline demeanor? Is he a team guy? Is he a guy that you can build a team around? One team's already given up on him. You know, they, they had him, they signed him to a huge deal, and then they were just like, well, let's get out of this. We don't want this guy. So, um, is he, I just don't think he's a guy you can build around. That's why he's going to he's gonna bounce around his entire career, in my opinion. I just don't think he's a guy that that you can foundationally build with because he's always going to be a headache on the sideline. Unless you, I, I feel like unless he went to the Cardinals, where Larry Fitzgerald is there, 
receiver who has built his legacy with one team kind of mentor him. Now, I'm not saying he's going to go to Arizona. If he did, that would be out of right field. None of us would be expecting that. And that actually would be kind of cool, though, with DeAndre, Larry, and Odell. But until Odell gets that kind of mentor on his team, I don't see him maturing anytime soon. To me, it kind of seems like Odell is a great value Terrell Owens, in my opinion. I mean, both monsters on the field, but off the field, you know, just all these antics. And, you know, we know T.O. with standing in the middle of Cowboys Stadium and and wiping his rear on, was it Green Bay's? Green Bay's goalpost, you know. know, And Odell, not to the extent of Terrell Owens, but, you know, kind of still doing some gimmicks off the field and, and... Teams kind of just didn't want to deal with Terrell Owens. I think that's why the Eagles got rid of him the way they did. And and the Giants were kind of in the same situation. They just were tired of dealing with it, tired of seeing it. And and I thought that whole Odell and the Giants thing was kind of weird. I mean, because you'd think that Eli Manning, who's a veteran, Super Bowl champion, he's, he's already solidified himself. I'm surprised he didn't do more to try and mature Odell. But, I mean, that, that's, not the, that's not the problem here. But... I, I do agree with you. You know, Odell will probably bounce. You know, every two or three years, just because teams can't handle him. Um, but I, there is a team though. If he does go to, I feel like he would clean up, and that's New England. Because I mean, Antonio Brown, I just feel like he didn't get a, enough time. He was there for what, eight days or something yeah. like that, and they shipped him, so they didn't even give him enough time. But with Odell, he's younger. Uh, he's a little bit more hot-headed, possibly than than Antonio Brown even though we've seen what Antonio Brown has done the last year. But with Odell, if he gets that coaching, gets that mentoring, maybe he just needs to be put in a winning culture. Because when the Giants had him for the first two years, they made the playoffs. You know, they did very well with him. And then ever since then, he hasn't been making the playoffs at all. And I think that kind of has to do something with it. Because I think this all started downhill was that boat pick down in Florida for the Giants. (laughs) And ever since then, the Giants have not been the same. So... You know, as far as Odell goes, I hope, you know, I hope we can see him going back to the 1,500-yard seasons, the 12 touchdowns a season, you know, and, and we haven't seen that from him from quite some time. So maybe it's a little bit of a slump. Maybe he just needs to be put into a winning culture, you know, and if the Browns do win and decide to keep him, maybe he will clean up his act. We never know. So that's going to be it for today's show, guys. Prediction, Paulie in the house, always well and great to see you. You know, thanks for coming on, giving us your two cents about the NFL draft. And I suggest you guys watch the NFL draft, too, because we're going to be watching it. And the Colts don't have a first-round pick, uh, but I will still watch it and see who goes where. Uh, But I'm still picking Burrow to go number one. I still like uh, Chase Young to go number two. I think those two are set in stone. I think they already have jerseys being made for them (laughs) with their numbers and everything. Will you get a Chase Young Redskins jersey if he if he gets drafted by them? It's been a long drought for me with jerseys. I, <laughs> I have a Trent Williams. That's my last Redskins jersey I bought. I bought that when he was a second-year player. I think Chase wants to wear number 99. 99 burgundy jersey might be in the future. That might cards be the thing to do. And for me, I mean, if I had to get a current Colts player... I'm not getting a Rivers. Don't even bring it. <laughs> I will never get a Phillip Rivers jersey. If I had to pick one, though, I would probably say a Darius Leonard. Yeah, he's you know, I've never had a defensive player's jersey, but you know, maybe I'll start next season with a Darius Leonard. 
So for myself and Prediction Polly, we thank you guys for tuning in. Have a great weekend and enjoy draft nights, the only sports thing going on these days. Have a great weekend, guys. We'll see you guys on Tuesday. Aloha.